are you ready to fall fast asleep? Let's get you there with an exceptional story. How about letting a mystery romance set on a large estate in Cornwall take you away from everything else? You know, it was a portrait that inspired our author, Daphne du Maurier, to write this novella. And we bring it to you in three episodes. There's been a film, a television series, and a BBC radio adaptation of this tale. Like du Maurier's The Birds, which is also available to you in the Fast Asleep catalog, this original is significantly more detailed than any of the adaptations. So let's tuck in and let's enjoy My Cousin Rachel. My father and mother died before I was two years old. I cannot remember them. My father died first, fighting in the war against the French in 1815. My mother died a few months afterward. My cousin Ambrose, who was 20 years older than me, became my guardian. He looked after me as if I was his son. From the beginning, I loved Ambrose more than anyone else in the world. Ambrose Ashley was a rich, unmarried man. He lived in a beautiful old house in the west of England. The house was near the sea, and there was farmland all round it. The house, the land, and the farms around it had all belonged to the Ashley family for many years. The house was full of pictures, books, and many beautiful things. Ambrose was a gentleman of leisure. He was not a businessman, but he took good care of all the people who worked on his land. He knew them all by name. Everyone on the estate loved Ambrose as much as I did. Ambrose was a shy man with many unusual ideas. He looked after me himself and would not have a woman in the house to help him. But he was friendly with the people who lived in the other big houses in the district. Some of his neighbors did not understand Ambrose, but they all liked him. As I grew older, Ambrose and I became more like brothers. We were both tall, shy men with long arms and legs and big feet. We both had thick curly hair, although Ambrose's hair was darker than mine. We enjoyed doing the same things. We often rode our horses through the beautiful fields and woods near the house. When the weather was good, we sailed our boat on the sea, fished, or swam. There were no female servants in the Ashley house. Ambrose said he did not want women in the house. As I grew older, I agreed more and more with his ideas. Now the big house was not very clean or tidy, 
but it was comfortable and we both loved it. The servants looked after us well and the food and wine were always good. Ambrose and I often sat together after dinner, drinking wine in the light of our candles. And then we sat in the library beside a bright fire. The walls of the library were covered with shelves full of beautiful books. On Sundays, we always went to church. After breakfast, the carriage took Ambrose and me to the church in the village. All the servants came to church too. On Sunday evenings, we had an early dinner. Usually, some of our neighbors would eat with us. When I was old enough, Ambrose taught me how to look after his land and his people. I was his heir. The house and the land were going to be mine when Ambrose died, but I never thought Ambrose would die. We both expected that he would live for many years. Our days together passed in a calm happiness. Sometimes changes come into people's lives that they do not expect. Things happen to us that we can do nothing about. My dear cousin Ambrose is dead. That is why I'm writing this story. My cousin Rachel is dead too. And who was my cousin Rachel? You must hear my story to find the answer to that question. I know who killed Rachel, but I do not know how my dear Ambrose died. Was he killed too? I shall never be able to answer that question. I shall never know the answer. Perhaps you who are hearing this can decide. You must be my cousin Rachel's judge and mine too. I, Philip Ashley, am only 25 now. Most of my life is in front of me, but the only people I shall ever love are dead. I cannot live with my thoughts any longer. I must write down everything. Everything that happened, everything about Ambrose, my cousin Rachel, and myself. Ambrose and I lived in Cornwall. It is often cold and damp in winter there. Rain falls nearly every day and the sea looks rough and gray. Now this weather was bad for Ambrose. By the time he was 40 years old, he was walking with a stick and his hair was turning gray. His doctors told him that he must go abroad every winter to a drier country. If he did this, he would become stronger and 
he would live to be a healthy old man. I was 22 when Ambrose went abroad for the third winter. I had left university, and I was old enough to look after the estate by myself. This time, Ambrose was going to Italy. He wanted to see the beautiful gardens of Rome and Florence. Ambrose loved his own gardens, and everything he planted grew well there. Now, he was planning to bring back many unusual plants and trees from Italy. The evening before Ambrose left for Italy, we sat together in the library as usual. We were both smoking our pipes, and our long legs were stretched out in front of us. We were wearing old, comfortable clothes, and the fire was burning brightly. The dogs were sleeping at our feet. We sat in silence for a while, and then Ambrose said, I wish you were coming with me tomorrow, Philip. Well, why not? I replied quickly. I could soon be ready. Yes, Ambrose, let me go with you. Ambrose smiled. No, he said. We can't both be away. Someone must look after the estate. Forget I asked you. You are feeling well, aren't you? I asked. You haven't any pain? Of course not, Philip, Ambrose replied. The trouble is, I love my home too much. I don't want to leave. Ambrose stood up and walked towards the windows. He pulled back the heavy curtains and looked out into the darkness. You must promise to look after the gardens for me, Philip, he said. What do you mean? I asked. You will be back here in the spring. Yes, I... I will, Ambrose answered slowly. Take care of things while I'm away, Philip. You are very young, but I need your help. You know that. And everything I have will be yours. Suddenly, I felt afraid. Ambrose, please, let me go to Italy with you, I said again. No, Philip, that's enough. Ambrose said this with a smile. Go to bed. And that was all. We did not discuss the matter again. Early the following morning, Ambrose left for Plymouth, our nearest port. He was going by ship to the south of France. From there, he would travel by coach to Italy. The weeks passed slowly for me. They always did when Ambrose was away, but I had plenty to do, and if I was lonely, I rode my horse into the nearest town or visited our neighbors. The first letter from Ambrose arrived in the middle of November. He was well and happy. The journey by ship had gone well. At Christmas, Ambrose wrote to say that he had reached Florence. It was in this letter that he wrote about his cousin Rachel for the first time. He told me that our family and her family were related. Rachel's father and mother were both dead. Rachel's husband, an Italian count, had died too. She lived alone near Florence in a big house called the Villa San Galetti. Rachel had planted the gardens of the villa herself and they were famous for their beauty 
I was glad when I read this letter. Ambrose had found a friend who loved gardens as much as he did. The winter in Europe was very bad that year, and snow covered the roads. Because of this, the next letter did not arrive until the early spring. In this letter, Ambrose told me more about his cousin Rachel. She had found him somewhere to stay near her villa. My cousin Rachel is a very intelligent woman, Ambrose wrote. But thank God she doesn't talk too much. Her gardens are beautiful. The weather is getting warmer and I'm spending a lot of time in them. My cousin Rachel is pleased to have an English friend and I'm giving her advice about business matters. She has very little money. Because I have helped her, my cousin Rachel has helped me find many beautiful plants. I will bring them home with me. Hmm. I was surprised by this letter. Ambrose had never shown any interest in a woman before, but I was glad that he was well and happy. There were a few more letters, but Ambrose did not say anything about returning to Cornwall. And then, at the end of April, I received the letter that changed my whole life. Dear boy, I don't know how to begin to tell you. My cousin Rachel and I were married two weeks ago. I do not know why she has chosen me, but we are very happy together. I love her, Philip, and I am sure you will love her too. She is kind and good. Tell our friends about my marriage, Philip, and remember, it will never change my feelings for you. Write soon and send some words of welcome to your cousin Rachel. I could not believe it. I took the letter out in the garden and I walked slowly down to the sea. I sat there and read the letter again. I felt lonely, angry, and very unhappy. I was already jealous of this woman, my cousin Rachel. I knew that my life would never be the same again. I told all the neighbors about Ambrose's marriage, but I did not speak to anyone about my feelings. To my surprise, all our neighbors were very happy at the news. Oh, it's the best thing that could have happened. When are they coming home? People said. I did not know. Ambrose had not written anything about when he would come back. Our nearest friends were Nick Kendall and his daughter Louise. Nick Kendall was nearly 60 years old. He was my godfather. His wife was dead. Louise was a little younger than me, and people said she was pretty. We had known each other all our lives, and she was like a sister to me. The Kendalls were the first people I told about Ambrose's marriage. Nick Kendall was a lawyer. And when he heard the news, 
he looked at me carefully. You will have to start looking for a house, Philip, he said. At first I did not understand. What do you mean? I asked in surprise. Well, Ambrose and his wife will want to be together, Nick Kendall told me. They may have children. I am sure Ambrose will buy you a house of your own. And you may get married yourself. There are many pretty girls in the district. He went on talking, but I did not hear what he said. I had never thought I would have to leave my home. I hated my cousin Rachel. What was she like, this woman who was completely changing my life? Was she pretty or plain, old or young? In the middle of May, I received another letter from Ambrose. He said that he and my cousin Rachel were staying in Italy for the summer. Well, I was happy. Thank God this woman was not going to come to the house yet. And I began to enjoy life again. The summer passed and winter came. Ambrose did not return. He continued to write to me, but his letters changed. I began to feel that he was not happy. The summer and the autumn were very hot in Italy that year. Ambrose was having terrible headaches. He had never had headaches before. He said nothing about coming home. The second winter passed, and then the spring. Ambrose had been married for more than a year now. Many weeks passed, and I did not receive a letter. I began to worry. At last a letter came in July, but it made me more worried than before. I got on my horse at once and rode over to Nick Kendall's house to show him the letter. The writing was so bad that we could hardly read it. Ambrose wrote to say that he had a terrible illness. He wrote about his fear of Italian doctors and of a man called Reynaldi. He also seemed to be afraid of his wife, Rachel. Oh, these are the words of a very sick man, Nick Kendall said. A man whose mind is very disturbed. Mm. You do not know this, Philip. But Ambrose's father died of a tumor of the brain. In the last weeks of his life, he was sometimes like a madman. I hope that Ambrose... And then Nick Kendall looked at me and said, I think you had better go to Italy, Philip. You must find out what is happening. I knew immediately that I had to go to Italy. I did not look forward to the long journey in a strange country. I could not speak French or Italian, but I knew I had to go. I went home and got ready to leave. Seacum, our head servant, was going to look after the house while I was away. I did not tell him about Ambrose's illness. I was in the carriage ready to leave when a last letter arrived from Ambrose. It was very short and almost impossible to read. For God's
God's sake, come quickly. Ambrose had written, Rachel, my torment has won. I am dying. Come quickly, for it will be too late. I began my journey with a terrible fear in my heart. It was the 10th of July. I knew I could not reach Ambrose until the middle of August. I had a terrible journey. The roads were noisy and dirty. The weather got hotter every day. By the time I reached Florence, it was the 15th of August. I found a room in a hotel and washed and changed my clothes. When I went out again, the streets were full of people. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon and still very hot. I stopped a carriage. Villa San Galetti, I said to the driver. He nodded and pointed up the hill. The horse pulled the carriage slowly up a long, twisting road. At last, the driver stopped in front of a gate in a high wall. I made signs to him to wait. There was a bell beside the gate and I pulled it hard. I waited a few moments, but no one came. I rang the bell again. I heard the sounds of a dog barking and a child crying. It was very hot. And then I heard footsteps and the gate slowly opened. A servant woman stood in the gateway. There was a long wide path behind her. It led to the villa. Villa San Galetti, Signor Ashley, I asked. Well, the woman tried to shut the gate, but I pushed past her. A man appeared and the woman shouted to him in Italian. I heard the words Ashley and Inglese. The man stared at me. I speak a little English, Signor, he said. Can I help you? I have come here to see Mr. Ashley, I said. Are Mr. and Mrs. Ashley at the villa? The man looked worried. Are you Signor Ashley's son, Signor? He asked. No, I said, I am his cousin. Tell me quickly, is he at home? You are from England, Signor? The man asked slowly. You have not heard the news. Signor Ashley, he died three weeks ago, very sudden. After the funeral, the Contessa, his wife, she shut up the villa and she went away. We do not know if she will come back again. I did not say anything. There was nothing I could say. Signor, the man said kindly, I will open the villa for you. You can see where Signor Ashley died. I was not interested in where I went or what I did. The man began to walk up the path, taking some keys from his pocket. 
I followed. Now the villa was very beautiful. All the windows were closed and shuttered. The man opened the big door. He and the woman began to open the shutters. The rooms were large and the air was dry and dusty. The Via San Gaietti is beautiful, Signor. Very old, said the man. The Signor Ashley, well, this is where he sat. This was his chair. I looked at the chair. I could not think of Ambrose in this house, in this room. I went to the window. Outside there was a little courtyard. It was open to the sky, but shaded from the sun. In the middle of the courtyard there was a fountain and a little pool. A laburnum tree stood beside the pool. Its golden flowers had died, and its small green seeds lay on the ground. Signor Ashley, he sat here every day, the man said. He liked to listen to the water falling. He sat there under the tree. In summer, they always sat here, Signor Ashley and the Contessa. They drank their tisana here after dinner, day after day, always the same. It was very cool there in the courtyard and very, very quiet. I thought of how Ambrose had lived at home, walking, riding, always cheerful and busy. I will show you the room where Signor Ashley died, the man said quietly. I followed him upstairs into the plain, bare room. I looked at the small, hard bed where Ambrose had died. He died suddenly, the man told me. He was very weak from the fever. But sometimes he shouts like a madman. Then one morning, the Contessa called for me. He was lying very still. It was the sleep of death. He had a peaceful face. The pain and the madness had all gone. Madness? What do you mean? I said. The madness of the fever, the man replied. He suffered much pain. Sometimes I had to hold him down in his bed. And then came the fever and the madness, I tell you, Signor. It was terrible to see. I turned away. Why was nothing done? I said. Why did Mrs. Ashley let him die? What was this illness? How long did it last? Well, at the end, it was very sudden, like I told you, said the man. But he had been very ill all winter, and he was sad. All winter he was sad. We walked through another room and out onto a long terrace. 
in front of us were the most beautiful gardens I had ever seen. I think, the man said slowly, that the Contessa will not come back again. Too sad for her. Signor Rinaldi told us that perhaps the villa will be sold. Who is Signor Rinaldi? I asked quickly. He arranges things for the Contessa, the man replied. Money, business, everything. I give you his address. He speaks English very well. What happened to his clothes? I asked. Where are his books and his papers? Oh, the Contessa took everything with her. And you don't know where she went? I asked. The man shook his head. She has left Florence. That is all I know. Signor Ashley was buried here, in Florence, Signor. And then the Contessa left. The woman suddenly spoke to her husband and opened a chest near the wall. She came back carrying a big straw hat, Ambrose's hat, the hat that he had sometimes worn at home in the sun. The woman gave it to me, and I stood there with it in my hands. Take it with you, Signor, the man said softly. It is yours now. On my journey back to Florence, I thought of only one thing. I had to speak to Signor Rinaldi. He must know more about Ambrose's death. The servant at the villa had given me Signor Rinaldi's address. I found the house at last in a quiet, dark street. Signor Rinaldi was at home, and a servant took me to his room. Rinaldi looked surprised when he saw me. He was a thin man, about forty years old, with a proud, hard face. My name is Ashley, Philip Ashley. I said. Yes, Signor Rinaldi answered. Will you sit down? You are Ambrose Ashley's cousin and his heir. You look very like him. I did not expect to see you here. When did you arrive in Florence? This afternoon, I replied. I have been to the Villa San Galetti. Signor Rinaldi smiled. Then you have not seen your cousin Rachel, he said. She left Florence very suddenly. Your cousin's death was a great shock to her. It was a shock to me too, Signor Reynaldi, I said. Why wasn't I told about Ambrose's illness? Mrs. Ashley always hoped he would get well, Reynaldi answered. She did not want to worry you. But I had these letters, I said. That is why I came to Florence, and I handed Rinaldi the last two letters from Ambrose. When he had read them, Signor Rinaldi said slowly, Yes, the doctors warned Mrs. Ashley of this. What do you mean? They told her that your cousin had a tumor on his brain. That is why he wrote these letters. First, 
the tumor destroyed his brain and uh, then it killed him. I shook my head. I could not believe it. Rinaldi held out a paper. This is the copy of the death certificate, he said. I sent another copy of it to you in Cornwall and one to Mr. Kendall. As your guardian, he has to be told about Ambrose's death. Mi Mr. Kendall is my guardian? I asked in surprise. Ambrose never told me that. It is in your cousin's will, Rinaldi replied. Mr. Kendall will explain when you return home. But what about these letters? I cried. Ambrose wrote them to warn me. He was not sick, but in great danger. Your cousin Ambrose was sick in his mind, Rinaldi answered. His sickness gave him strange ideas. Because Mrs. Ashley was with him all the time, he suspected her. A sick man often thinks about that. He thinks his dearest friends are his enemies. If I had been here, Ambrose would be alive now, I said. Rinaldi shook his head. No, he said, that is not true. No one could do anything for him. I turned and moved towards the door. When Mrs. Ashley returns, tell her, I know about the letters, I said. Your cousin Rachel left Florence very suddenly, Rinaldi said. I do not think she will come back. I walked out of the cold house and into the dark streets. I did not believe Reynaldi's story. Ambrose had died in great pain and unhappiness, and my cousin Rachel had been the cause of his pain. I was sure of that. I promised myself that one day I would bring pain and unhappiness to my cousin Rachel. I would punish this woman who had killed my dear Ambrose far away from his home and his friends. I arrived home in the first week of September. I had sent letters and the servants were already dressed in black. My journey to Italy seemed like a dream. I was glad to be home. I was responsible now for the house and estate. I had to look after them as Ambrose had done. I wanted to do my work well. My godfather, Nick Kendall, visited me as soon as I got back. He brought his daughter, Louise, with him. Nick Kendall had come to explain Ambrose's will to me. Now this house and the estate will be yours when you're 25, Philip, he told me. But for the next seven months, I am your guardian. If you want money, you must come to me. Of course, I hope one day you will marry. This place needs a woman, Philip. I want no woman, I said. Ambrose married and it killed him. My cousin Rachel left Florence the day after the funeral.
I went on. Signor Rinaldi told me she took all Ambrose's things with her, like a thief. Now, you must not call your cousin's wife a thief, Nick Kendall said. If Ambrose had changed his will when he married, everything would now belong to her. I'm surprised that your cousin Rachel has not made a claim. A claim? I cried. But she was the cause of Ambrose's death. Oh, nonsense, Philip, said Nick Kendall. Ambrose died of a brain tumor. That is why he wrote those terrible letters. I don't believe it, I said. You don't want to believe it, my godfather replied angrily. Keep those ideas to yourself, Philip. If you don't, there'll be trouble. I said nothing. I did not see the Kendalls again for nearly two weeks. And then Nick Kendall asked me to go and see him. I found him in his study, a letter in his hand. Well, he said, I have news for you, Philip. This is a letter from your cousin Rachel. She has come to England with Ambrose's things. She asks for nothing. She only wants to see the house that Ambrose lived in. She's in a strange country without a friend. You ought to see her, Philip. I smiled. Of course I'll see my cousin Rachel, I said in a hard, cold voice. I want to see her very much. Tell her that when you write to her. Tell her that Philip Ashley invites his cousin Rachel to his home. Nick Kendall understood my feelings. You have become very hard, Philip, he said. I hope you will not say anything stupid when Mrs. Ashley is here. She was your cousin's wife. You must remember that. I went out into the garden and saw Louise walking there. When I told her about my cousin Rachel's visit, she was very surprised. Oh, no woman has stayed in that house for 20 years, Louise said. Think how dusty and untidy it is. It was good enough for Ambrose, I said. She won't think about the house when I begin to question her. She'll cry, and I'll be pleased. But when I got home, I changed my mind. I wanted to show my cousin Rachel that I was a gentleman. I wanted her to know that I was a man who looked after his property. I spoke to the head servant, Seacum. He agreed that the whole house must be cleaned before Mrs. Ashley arrived. We must make Mrs. Ashley welcome, Seacum said. Shall I prepare Mr. Ambrose's room for her? Certainly not, I said. I am moving into Mrs. Mr. Ashley's room. Get the blue room ready for Mrs. Ashley. On the day my cousin Rachel arrived, the house looked completely different. Everything was clean and tidy. Seacum had got out all the silver and cleaned it. Tamlin, the head gardener, had filled every room with flowers. I looked around the house and then walked up slowly to the blue room. The dogs followed me. 
The rooms for my cousin Rachel were clean. The windows were wide open. There was a portrait of Ambrose on one wall. It had been painted when he was a young man. He looked very much like me. I smiled at the portrait and felt a little happier. My cousin Rachel was going to arrive sometime in the afternoon. I decided that I did not want to be in the house when she arrived. Although the day was cold and windy, I went out alone after lunch. I walked until I was tired. I did not return until after six o'clock. There was a fire in the library, but the room was empty. I pulled the bell and rang for Seacombe. Madam has come, Seacombe said. She is tired and is having some food in her room. She will be pleased to see you after dinner. Where is her luggage? I asked Seacombe. Madam has very little luggage of her own, answered Seacombe. It has been taken upstairs to her room. All of Mr. Ambrose's boxes have arrived with her. We have put them in your room, as she asked. So I had my dinner alone and drank a glass of brandy, and then I went upstairs and knocked at the door of my cousin Rachel's sitting room. A quiet voice answered my knock. For now, good night.